my man, Scott Spritzer, the handicapper extraordinaire. What's shaking, man? How you doing, TC? Good to talk to you. I'm good. Football. What do you got, man? What do you got for me? What have you been doing? Oh, man, just uh, capping and trying to collect more tickets than I give back to the book, you know? So (laughs) that's about what we're doing every day now. Hey, I don't know if you have uh, uh, an an account with any of the MGM uh, books or whatever, but uh, pretty crazy scenario we're going through here, right? With, uh, you know, the hacking situation, Caesars went through it uh, uh, a couple months ago, and, and here we go. Have you been affected by that? Not with BetMGM. I didn't do it. Um, I, and I'll tell you why. I was thinking about opening up an account with them, and then I saw some of the, the comebacks on the, on the underdogs in baseball. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to deal with that kind of a line difference. I can get better lines than that just about anywhere else yep. in Las Vegas. And, you know, not trying to badmouth anybody that works there, but the bottom line is those comeback prices, you know, it, it just stinks, some of those lines. So I never got involved, and uh, it hasn't affected me because of that. And it's a shame to see that the technology hasn't been kept up at some of these places, some of these books around the country to give people trust that they're not going to have their information stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been uh, you know pretty crazy with that. And you know with the world of betting apps, I think everybody thinks, you know, when the the, the apps, you know, first came along years ago, it was like, wow, I don't know about this, kind of crazy, but wow, the convenience factor kind of outweighs, you know, anything else. And then now when you look at it, it's like, wow, that's you know, I could be exposed there. And I don't think a lot of people were thinking that it could go in this direction and and here we are. And not having that trust is so inconvenient because, you know, I'm in the Summerlin area, west side of Las Vegas, for those who might be listening online and don't know where Summerlin is, and I can sit in my in my office, home office, and, you know, make bets at the drop of a hat, going to an app, making that bet, having maybe, you know, five or six different point spreads at different books available by half a point, and, and uh, you do it all in a matter of seconds, and it used to be... I'd have to drive, you know, I'd have to spend half my day running around at casinos looking for uh, the best line. And sometimes by the time you got there, that line was gone. So not having that trust is really tough right now as far as anybody who wants to open up apps anywhere in the country. You got it. All right, man, let's talk uh, some of these games here. I want to start with you with a, a game here locally on Saturday afternoon. And I know that you love going to UNLV football games, man. And uh, Vandy is coming to town from the SEC. And uh, this is a struggling program, kind of like UNLV's. We had Barry Odom on a little bit earlier. We we're talking with him about this matchup. Uh, Vandy is a four-and-a-half-point road favorite here. Uh, how do you see this game, Scott, and are you going to be involved? I'm going to try to get down there to see it tomorrow afternoon. Don't know if I'm going to be able to make it yet, but I do like to go to the UNLV games. And and uh, as of now, I'm not involved. And, you know, if you look at what happened to Vandy last week of the loss to Wake Forest, I mean, you know, they only scored 20 points in that game, and they got uh, seven points off a defensive fumble return for a touchdown. So really only 13 offensive points in that contest. And Wake shredded that defense. I mean, Wake was having no problem at all. And this isn't the best Wake Forest offense we've seen over the last couple of years. But they ran for 290 yards against Vandy last week and ended up with 484 yards altogether did Wake Forest. So it's going to be interesting because now they travel for the second straight week talking about you know, Vandy and, you know, they're at Wake last week. And then, of course, UNLV this week. And they've got a, a home game inside of conference play coming up next week against Kentucky. 
And it's going to be interesting to see how they react because UNLV wants to go, go, go. I mean, this is as close to the running rebels of basketball, you know, 30 years ago under Tark that we're going to see on the gridiron out of the UNLV football team because they want to play at a fast pace. That could be to their advantage. So I've actually got to lean on UNLV. I don't think we learned too much from last week's game against Michigan. I still think Michigan, if they wanted to drop the clutch, they could have done so. Uh, but I don't think this is a bad matchup for the Rebels, and, and I'll be a little bit disappointed if they don't come away with either a very close loss or a victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like we, I was saying earlier that you know Vandy is it's it's a rebuilding program, but they are still steps ahead of UNLV because they have an alum that's coaching him. He's in his third year, just got a contract extension, and Vandy does have some pretty decent speed and talent. And again, they can't match up with the big boys of the SEC, and they really shot themselves in the foot like you talked about uh, against uh, Wake Forest uh, in in that game. But again, I think where that line is at four, four and a half is pretty much warranted. Uh, but again, I think it's a great litmus test for UNLV to exactly see, you know, where they are. And I, I like the scheduling. You know, I know they went to uh, Michigan and played the number two team in the country, but like Coach Odom said, hey, it was great for our kids to experience that and say, hey, you know, this is this is the goal. This is where we want to be. You know, so go ahead and, and, and play this and, and and give a decent account of themselves and, and not losing, you know, 52 to nothing. They lost 35 to 7. Like you said, Michigan could have dropped uh you know dropped the clutch. I like that terminology there. But I think, you know, again, this is an SEC school that will be probably better over time in in Vanderbilt. And I'm very curious to see how this game plays out here. I think Vandy's got a little bit more talent, but like you said, with the the pace and everything for UNLV, it, it could be interesting. It's also a situation where UNLV goes in the last week, and they're telling their, they're telling themselves. Obviously, they're trying to convince themselves, "Hey, if we do what we do, we we want to do, we might be able to win this game." But you know, deep down, the honest opinion, of course, of every player walking into the big house last week has got to be, "Holy cow, look at this place!" Yeah. You know, we're playing in front of a hundred thousand plus people, and and we're probably not going to win this game. There's going to be doubt. Um, they all they got to do is look back to Vandy's first game of the season in Nashville against Hawaii, UNLV compares with, and see that Hawaii outgained Vandy by 100 yards. You know, Vandy ended up winning the game by seven points, but they outgained him by, to be exact, 96 yards in that game. They held Vandy to 297 yards, and Hawaii passed for 350. So it's got to be in their minds, and I really believe they're going to go into this game thinking, we got a chance to beat an SEC team, albeit it is Vandy, but also we can beat this SEC team, and it's going to be a a lot of motivation on the side of the Rebels. I Again, I'm going to be a little disappointed if they don't come away with a win here. Probably won't plunk my money down on it because from a betting perspective, I think you're right on. You know, four seems like a really solid number. Yeah. UNLV has covered against uh, non-conference opponents last seven times. So that's... That's saying something, and including sure. one, one of those games last week against Michigan, where they were they were getting with thirty two points, and again they lost thirty five uh, to seven. Uh, another college game I want to talk to you about that's going to take place tonight, Scott, and just uh, an opinion here. Navy's playing Memphis, and you know we know Navy is. In a rebuilding mode, it seems weird that one of the service academies is kind of rebuilding mode, but I mean, it's, it's a coaching change, schematically a little bit, a little bit different than what they've been doing. And this Memphis team is 2 and 0 that they're playing tonight. And Memphis, uh, has owned Navy over the years and, and beat them pretty good. I think it was last season. The number is 13 and a half. Any opinion on either side of this game tonight for a little Thursday night college football? 
Yeah, I'm leaving it alone. It's dropped a little bit. It got up to, you know, I've seen as high as 14 and a half in one book earlier, and, and now it's down under 14. So the money is coming in on Navy. And you mentioned, you know, it's a different Navy team. Niamatololo is gone, and uh, you bring in a guy who, who coached defense for this team, and they've struggled on offense. And they've talked about, you know, we've got two quarterbacks. We've got one who can run. We've got one who can pass. And you don't really – you can't really tell anything from that second game they played against Wagner. I mean, they got dusted by Notre Dame, but it was their first game with this kind of a new look and new style. And as far as Memphis is concerned, I mean, I really do believe they should probably cover a 13-point spread, but they played nobody yet. You don't get any 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 uh, uh, information really out of beating the heck out of Bethune Cookman, and then we saw Arkansas State the week before Memphis played them, getting you know giving up seventy plus points to Oklahoma. Uh, the one thing that Navy did in that Arkansas State game was completely shut them down. They gave up a field goal in the second quarter, and that was it. Uh, Memphis, you know, you would think in this game they should be able to pass the football without much issue here. They could run for a buck fifty probably on the ground too. Lean that way. I don't want to play it yet though because I I don't like laying this many points with a team that has played absolutely nobody thus far through their first two games. It, it's just a lean on the Tigers for me. All right, uh, what games you got circled for Saturday? I'll tell you the one I jumped on right away, and I know the line sounds big, and it sounds like you're not getting any value on this team. Uh, on Sunday, it was kind of funny. You know, I'm texting a few different cappers, including our friend Dave Kokin, and we're like texting each other at the same time about we got to jump on Washington. All the off-field stuff with Michigan State, but not only that, Washington is a playoff contender, and Michigan State, they really were a one-hit wonder under Mel Tucker when he signed that big $90-plus million contract, and they haven't really uh, been close to that level ever since. You look at this game last year, it was a 39-28 win by Washington. They won by 11. Uh, Michael Penix, who's back and perfect for this system, threw for 400 yards in that game, four touchdowns, no picks. And they outgained Michigan State last year by 140 yards. Uh, they only won 39-28 to because Peyton Thorne had a real nice game for Mich State. But, you know, Peyton Thorne's now playing for Auburn. Michigan State really doesn't have much of an offense. I did not like the way they look so far. Uh, they played uh, uh, the Richmond Spiders. They beat them. They played Central Michigan in week one. It's 10-7 to at the half. What they did against Central Mich was wear them down because of the difference in pedigree. You're not going to wear down UW. And I think when you throw everything into the mix, Washington's talent, the fact that this team has playoff potential against a Michigan State team that is outmanned on the field and now has all, all those off-the-field issues, maybe a split locker room, you would think that you know transfers start happening eventually at Mich State if they're not able to play under uh, Mel Tucker. And I just think Washington comes in and takes care of business. 16 and a half all week, and then about an hour ago it started popping up to 17. I decided at 18 or less I was laying it with Washington. Yeah, that is you know, on the road, too. And again, you know, to, to the naked eye, for people who may not follow that, they look at like, well, Michigan State's getting 16 and a half at home. Wait a minute, there, there's got to be something wrong. Well, yeah, there is. I mean, Michigan yeah. State has got a lot wrong right now, but I can't remember seeing that type of a line. Even when, in, you know, in years past, when a Michigan or Ohio State would come in there for them to be that big of a dog, and now you've got a team, uh, you know, basically you know that's uh, coming in cross country coming from the Pac-12 this doesn't get a whole bunch of respect uh but this Washington team they've uh, performed well last year and they're carrying over to this year so it does seem like a big line but like you said probably warranted and you know what TC last year I thought Michigan State was more capable on offense than this year's talent including you know Peyton Thorne who as I mentioned yep. is now off to Auburn but even with a somewhat more talented offense last year 
They ran for 1.4 yards per carry against Washington. I mean, that game was 39-28 on the scoreboard, 11-point Huskies win. It wasn't that close. And again, it was Peyton Thorne that was able to keep Michigan State from getting embarrassed. And I just think this is a tough spot for Michigan State. If they come out and play this game close, I mean, I give nothing but credit uh, to both their coaching staff that remains and the Michigan State players. But, boy, I just think the Huskies take care of business. And Michael Pittix, I don't know if this guy's got NFL-level talent, maybe down the road as a backup, but he is perfect for this Husky system. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, a little SEC action. Uh, we, we got Florida uh, playing uh, Tennessee, right? And that's right. Uh, that's uh, I- I- intriguing, uh, especially the way Florida has played uh, to start the season. And we know Tennessee, a lot of high hopes there. Any thoughts on that game? Boy, I, I've only been able to say I've got action in one game thus far with you, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that I, I don't have action in this one, too. Uh, I think the line is perfect. You know, I thought mm-hmm. if it's over six, I'm just going to pass, and, and that's where it is, six and a half for the most part. Uh, listen, I don't want to take Florida here, um, and, and I don't know that, you know, Tennessee, if you look at this rivalry and the fact that Florida has pretty much handled this rivalry, it becomes a situation of at what point do you really want to lay six and a half, seven points with a team that has a problem in the rivalry until they show you they can take care of business. At this point, if I did anything, TC, it would be more of taking the under, which is a pretty high total, up near 60 at last check. I don't like Graham Mertz at quarterback for the Gators. Yep. And also, as far as Tennessee's concerned, I didn't like the way they played against Austin P. They looked completely disinterested in that game. And I think it's going to be a little bit more of a defensive battle, and that game probably lands high 40s, low 50s, and stays under the total. All right, Tennessee is six-and-a-half-point favorite uh, against uh, Florida on the road. All right, Scott, tonight, NFL, we've got the Vikings and the Eagles. Uh, pretty good football game uh, matchup-wise. The Vikings, man, they blew a tire last week against Tampa Bay on their home field. And uh, the Eagles, uh, you know, they got the game. They got jumped out to a big lead against uh, New England, but they had to hang on for dear life in this one. And uh, we know these two teams played each other last year in Philly, uh, handled uh, Minnesota pretty uh, pretty easily here. What do you what do you think? Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson on the Minnesota side, possibly a bounce back, and then Philly's playing at home here. Yeah, Philly's got some problems in the secondary with injuries this week, and that might keep allow Minnesota to stay, stick around. Minnesota lost that game last week, obviously to Tampa Bay, but that was highly misleading. I mean, they outgained Tampa Bay by more than a hundred yards. It was mistakes. It was self-inflicted wounds. And the one problem that Minnesota has with Cousins or wherever he's been over his career in primetime games, and we know what Cousins does. Uh, I, I lean towards Minnesota, but you could have had seven and a half with Minnesota if you got on this extremely early, and now it's down to six with some six-and-a-halves out there. You know what I like in this game, TC? I, I played it yesterday, and it's gone up a couple of yards. I like A.J. Brown, the Eagles wide receiver, to go over 72-and-a-half receiving yards. It's up to 74-and-a-half. I was able to get that two yards uh, lower, and it was minus $1.20 at the time. He was targeted 10 times last week against the Patriots. He finished with seven receptions. He had almost 80 yards receiving. And Brown and Hurts have that relationship or that symbiosis that's kind of rare in the NFL, a quarterback and a lead wide receiver. So they faced a really tough defense last week. He still you know, caught almost 80 yards. I think he goes over 72 and a half. And pizza money. Let's talk about pizza money betting. Yes. How about TJ Hawkinson, Vikings tight end, anytime touchdown throughout this game at plus 255. He's the red zone guru for this team, if you will. Uh, when Cousins is looking for that safety valve at tight end. I just mentioned Philly's banged up in the defensive backfield. they got to focus on the wide receivers of Minnesota. 
I, I don't know, man. I think TJ Hawkinson plus 255 at that price, a little bit of pizza money on TJ to score a touchdown at some point in this game. No, wait a minute. I know you like food as much as I do, but do you see uh, where your voice went when you were handicapping that? What do you mean pizza money? That sounds like that's more than pizza money. I mean, you make a lot of that makes a lot of sense anyway. Well, that might be jalapeno burger in, in Chicago dog money <laughs> over at uh, over at Freddy's. So maybe we have to upgrade that to fry, to Freddy's, right? Instead of just pizza. Okay, okay, okay. There you go. Let's go some high end food. Uh, there you go. That's a wager. I like that. I do like that. Uh, Buffalo. <laughs> the way they lost that game on, on Monday night, I, obviously they're shell shocked. They're going back home. Uh, they get to have their home opener. The Raiders have been hanging out in West Virginia, getting ready for this game at a nice little country club there. Raiders coming off the victory against Denver, where I mean, yeah, they won the game, Scott, seventeen to sixteen. Really didn't look great doing it. I, I think it was more of Denver, uh, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak. But I don't know. How do you handicap this game? We got Buffalo an eight and a half point favorite at home against the Raiders. I'm torn between Josh Allen, 37 turnovers in his last 19 games and three more the other night. I had, listen, this is funny. I had the Jets on Monday and I, you know, obviously four plays into it on offense for the Jets. Aaron Rodgers gets knocked out for the season. And I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, I would have not obviously taking uh, the Jets at this price if I knew Zach Wilson was going to be playing the entire game. And I thought I'll stick it out till halftime. I didn't see anything that gave me any hope. Turned off my phone, just completely turned it off. The wife and I went out about 9.30 on Monday night, a good hour after the game's final, and I've already counted it in my mind as a loss. I flip on my phone, and as I do, all of a sudden, as it warms up, I get like six or seven texts saying, turn on your TV, which was like from an hour earlier, uh, and I'm like, what is this all about? Are they really trying to mess with me, like really trying to rub it in? And I check the score on my app, and I see I've won the game, and the money's in the bank, so to speak. Uh, and I was just totally shocked. Went home, watched it that night while I was working uh, the replay, because I did record it and was fortunate enough not to zap it, delete it when I left the house. But here's the thing about that game. So it's a combination of, is Josh Allen ever going to mature as a starting NFL quarterback and not take dumb chances deep downfield? We don't know yet. At the same time, the Jets have had Buffalo's number defensively, have had their number three games in a row now going back to the start of last year. I don't think the Raiders are going to have the Bills number here. I, I think the Raiders are in for a shellacking in this game. Uh, they've got Max Crosby, but uh, that's about it when it comes for TFLs. And I think their secondary is going to get busted up here. Vegas was lucky to a certain extent. I don't want to take away too much credit from last week's win over Denver. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson goes 27 for 34, but everything was underneath. It was like five yards per pass. Little dump offs here and there. One thing you don't have to worry about Josh Allen if you're back in the Bills. You're going to get your fair shot at going downfield because he's not going to shy away from throwing the deep pass. I think that's where they end up pulling away from Vegas in this one. Right. All right. Anything else uh, you're looking at for Sunday or even Monday? You know, I, I think it's a bounce-back time for the Bears, TC. I really do. I, I looked at that game last week. I'm watching, you know, the Bears look ugly against Green Bay, but I also saw the fact that they held uh, they held uh, what's-his-face uh, Mayfield to what uh, – I'm sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, the Vikings there. But I'm looking at Chicago last week, and they held Jordan uh, Love to about 55% passing. And I'm sitting there going, listen, this was kind of a fake win or a fake margin of victory for Green Bay in that game. And Tampa Bay was just the same as I was talking about how they did against the Vikings. Uh, they were outgained by 127 yards. The issue was the fact that they took advantage of another team shooting themselves in the foot. Bottom line is, 
If you bet this last week on an advanced number, you laid a point and a half with Chicago. Now you're getting up to three points with Chicago based off of two somewhat phony final scores. I think the Bears come through and even up the record at one and one. Okay. A little belief in Justin Fields there. All right. My man, Scott Sprites, appreciate you, brother. Look forward to your best bets uh, coming up on Friday. Go to DocSports.com, get Scott's play, subscribe to him, uh, baseball, the football side, it's all there for you. And uh, he, he never know what. I mean, you may you may get some uh, some European soccer as well too. I don't know. Maybe highlight. Is it is there a Scott Sprites or highlight page over at Docs? I miss highlight. Oh my gosh, I, I miss highlight Vegas. I remember. That. <laughs> Take right. care, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you.